I gave a share on Chinuch yesterday to some women, and uh, the Bilga Maisa was very helpful in the context of that share. So, uh, in terms of the, the influence that parents have on their children and, the, and how much the children are watching them. Because um, the Parshas Emor that we're up to is, uh, is the source of the Mitzvah Chinuch. Emor al Kohanim ve'amarta lehem. Um, say to the Quran and say over and Rashi says to warn the adults about their children and uh, that's what it says in that particular uh, Pasuk and that Rashi and it turns out that the Mitzvah Tumas Kohanim Parshas Emor is the source of the Mitzvah Chinuch and Kola Tarakula and the question that Lama Forshman asks is like why, why it so, seems so random that the source of uh, the Mitzvah Chinuch is Tumas Kohanim which is uh, a little bit of a share for a different time there are many many answers that are given to it um, but in that context, I shared this story about Bilga uh, because I think it's an important lesson in Chinuch to realize that your children are watching you. And like we, we learned last time, that uh, things that your children say are often because uh, you, know, you, say things, you say things in such a way as well. Um, one Misa that they say over in this context is uh, Pesach Kron says it over. I'll, I'll say it over as quick as possible, about 30 seconds, is that uh, there once was a, uh, it actually fits appropriately during our times, there once was some sort of plague running through a country, and there was a doctor that invented a cure for that illness. And he was going around at the time, this was 100 years ago, city to city, with his briefcase in hand, with the uh, you know, test tubes of all the different medicine and the pills that he had that cured the illness, and throngs of people would greet him in each city so he could be able to give the medicine to them and to their children who were all sick. Uh, one particular trip between city and city, uh, he was attacked by a group of bandits, the bandits thought his briefcase was full of money or jewels or whatever, valuables. Um, he obviously was left empty-handed. They ran off to the, the closest bridge. They opened up the briefcase and realized it was just medicines inside it. It has no value to them. They tossed the contents of the bag inside the local river. That's what they did at that time. And uh, then he went, the doctor went out to the next city, but they were all waiting in line there. When he got to the clinic that they were at, they were waiting in line, and he had to make the unfortunate announcement to all of them, I'm sorry, I cannot cure you or cure all your children. Um, okay, I'm botching this story, but I'll tell you how in a second. I'm cure you, I can't cure you or your children because somebody um, threw um, all the medicine into a river. At which point, one of the men in line came running over to him crying. He says, I'm so sorry, I was that bandit that uh, you know, attacked you and mugged you, and I needed the medicine for my child. I can't, really, I can't believe I ruined the health and the well-being of my own child. So uh, Rabbi Crowan tells over this muscle in the context of a family who brought their... Uh, son to the Rav because the son is about to get intermarried. And uh, the family says to the Rav, you know, talk my child out of getting into an intermarriage. Uh, to which the Rav tells this muscle um, to the couple. And he said, I feel so bad. I want to help any way I can. I'm certainly going to try, but I want you to realize that I know how you talk about the Rav. I know how you talk about Rabbanim in general. And I know, I know how you speak about Halacha. I know what happens every single Shabbos at your Shabbos table, the Tebel and Hara, and the disdain that you have for rabbinic figures. So you basically took the medicine and threw it in the river already because the cure to your illness of your children doing an intermarriage is the fact that they might listen to the Rav, but they'll never listen to the Rav because you've been mechanechlam for the last 20 years to not care about what the Rav says. And therefore, there's no hope of me making any difference. That's the Misa, that, uh, it's a sharp Misa, but the point being is, is that I think it expresses some of the things we're saying right now, is that the children, Hashkafas, and the way they conduct themselves are very much molded by, the, forget the, the official lessons the parents teach the children, it's just the day in and day out life of parents, it's very much has Hashpah and children, and we have to be mindful of that to the best of our ability. Um, okay, 
so we're up to this last Gemara here, Chazara, and then we'll go back to the beginning of the parak. Uh, Bilga lo'elam chalakas b'dam. So he mentioned there's three punishments that the Mishnah of Bilga got. Uh, punishment number one is they always divide up in the south, which is the less chashav area. Punishment number two is that they locked up their ring, that they could not uh, use their own ring. They had to use somebody else's ring to do shkita. As an aside, I just had this mental picture of them having to like box out other families to be able to find a place to do the shkita, which really most of the time is not going to be true because there's only one Mishnah at a time in the base of Migdash. So the other 23 rings are wide open. It's just still embarrassing that they have to go ahead and, you know, say to somebody, oh, I'm sorry, you know, my ring is locked. Can I use your ring instead? Can I borrow the key for it? And on top of which, their locker is locked. They have to find alternate places to keep their things. On the regular, it's even harder because then all 24 Mishmaras are going to be there. I just kind of had this mental picture that they had to, like, wait for them to finish to do their avoda. But again, most of the year, the average time that Bilga had their Mishmar, the other rings were wide open. It's just the embarrassment of having to ask to borrow, you know, their rings. So again, those are the three. Um, dividing in the south, the ring being locked, and the locker being um, closed. Okay, so Maisa ben Miriam, tell her about it. Maisa ben Miriam bas Bilga. It's a story about Miriam's daughter Bilga, that she went off the derech. The Hulk of Anisa says, the sergeant Ech Mimacha Yavanim. She went off and married a Greek soldier. When the Yavanim went into the base of Mikdash, apparently she was with them. She Kicked the Mizbeach with her sandal, the armor, Lucas, Lucas, and Masai, Atam, Chalamonim, Shayisrael. How much longer are you going to consume the money of Chalayisrael, and you're not going to protect them in their time of need? I don't know why to emphasize that she's wearing sandals as opposed to any other type of shoe. Why couldn't I just simply say they kicked? If anyone sees any answer for that, please let me know. When the Chachamim heard that she did such a thing, that's when they punished Bilga's Mishmar, Kavu es Tabasa, Vesasmas That's when they locked the ring, and that's when they went in and closed off the window. Um, I would add that um, why does it not mention the third thing, which is dividing up in the south? And um, I have a brilliant answer to that. Anybody else get bothered by that? Why only list off two of the three? Okay, I have a very simple answer. The answer is, is that whenever they got back to the Beis HaMikdash, it wasn't necessarily Bilga's Mishmar, but they wanted to do something immediately as a punishment. So they went into the Beis HaMikdash, they locked up the ring, and they closed up the window. They, they couldn't immediately go ahead and, you know, again, I think maybe immediately they made a Takana, they had in mind they weren't going to let them, they're only going to make them divide up in the South, but that's not an immediate punishment they're able to do. But immediately they went into the Beis HaMikdash, they locked up their window and locked up the ring, that's it, done. That was an immediate punishment they're able to do even before the next time Bilga made it back to the base managers. I just think that's a simple answer that we could say. Uh, is another answer to explain what exactly went wrong over here, why Bilga was being punished. The Mishmar of Bilga came late to do their Avoida. Which is the Mishmar before Bilga had to stay longer and do the Avoda in their place. Even though they were planning on leaving that Shabbos afternoon, or at least leaving the base of Mikdash from doing their Avoda, they had to stick around longer, because again, which shows us a little bit that the first Mishra won't leave until the second Mishra gets there. So Yesheva was ready to leave. They say, hey, where's Bilga? And by the time they got to be um, the afternoon, um, um, Yesheva had to do the Tamad Shal Ben Arbaim, they had to do the Bazikin, which we learned about uh, in the previous Amud, and Bilga was punished for their tardiness. Sorry, the, the I was bothered by the same question that you had. Um, and I'm I'm asking the, the window that they had or the ring that they had. Did, wasn't shared by the they were opposite. Sh, the opposite, opposite Mishmar. Let's say it wasn't there. There how many rings were
okay. Yes, everyone had to designate their so, ring. Right, right, but I'm saying, but their ring. Oh. Uh huh. So that was it. Nobody, nobody over the course of the year ever used that ring again. Correct. Uh huh. So that was, and the, the window was just their window. It wasn't. It wasn't they're on little. They're on little locker. They're on little locker. Yes, everyone had to designate a locker, and uh, they couldn't use theirs. So this, the other thing I said because I was bothered by the cost of the article said um, that none of this was enacted until the Greeks were out um, and the, the Maccabees were back in. It was there, this was like this happened like the Greeks are running through the base of Medes. This was one that wasn't that time that they made the edict. It was it was like years later when the Maccabees came back in. That's when they finally established it. Yeah. Um, you know the the, the actual punishment, which is right. interesting. Right. Yes, hundred percent. I I agree with everything that your forehead is saying. Thank you. <laughs> I, my, my phone didn't turn. It's all good. I'm just kidding. Um, either way, so um, says the Gemara. Avobisha shcheni. What there? Avobisha shcheni arishayim lo nistakru shcheni bilgo nistakru she bilgo lo elam chalakis bedarum. Yeshev of Achim b'Tzafon. It's actually an interesting lead up of this Gemara's thinking compared to the end. Because the end of the Gemara is going to say Oy Rasha Oy Shenai. So the Gemara almost has to preempt it over here, saying that by the way, even though normally if you're the neighbor of a Russia, you lose out, but in this particular case, Yeshevav gained by being a neighbor of Bilga because Yeshevav is the only Mishmar that gets to always divide up in the north. Because normally, again, on the way in, you divide in the north, and the way out, you divide in the south. But being that Bilga was punished, they always divide in the south, even on their way in, that by definition pushed Yesheva, that on their way out, they get to divide up in the way on the north side as well. So in this particular example, I'm not sure what the Musar from this is, in this particular example, um, the Russia, by being a neighbor of the Russia, um, you actually gain from that process. You gain from that process. I, I don't know why this idea is popping in my head, but another example where you gain by being a neighbor with a Russia is a well-known from the, from the Chavetz Chaim that if a Russia speaks Lashon Har about you, you get your Chelek and Olam and his Chelek as well. It's kind of, I don't know why it pops into my head, a similar idea. So, you know, there are some times that uh, as much as we don't want Lashon Har spoken about ourselves, at the end of the day, there will be a gain that you get from that. And so to over here, you shave of gained by getting the portion of Bilga. Okay, so says the Gemara. So these are the two things that Bilga did wrong. But why does that lead to the entire Mishmar being punished? Bishlam and the Manda Amar Mishmar Sosha It makes sense according to the opinion that says that the Mishmar was late. Hainu de Kunsin the Kula Mishmar. That's why we punished the entire Mishmar. The entire Mishmar came late, which is also fascinating. Everyone came late. I guess they maybe, maybe they traveled as a caravan or something. But it's surprising they all came late. El Amanda Amar Marian Bas Bilga Shemir Dasa Mishum Bartid Kunsin Lava Dide. But if according to the version of the story that it was because of Miriam's actions of kicking the Mizbeach, because of a daughter, you'll punish him? Amar Abaye, in, this is the big line, Kina Amri Inchi, like people say, Shusa Dianuka Bashuka, Oda Avua, Ode the speech of children out in the streets is either from the father or the mother, and they said, if it is, that this woman, even though, even though they're from, which is fascinating, even though they're from, and she went off, and therefore you would chalk up whatever she did to just being, you know, some sort of outside influence, we still say the way that she spoke and what she said clearly has some roots in the parents' house. Now ask the Gemara, Mishuma Vua Vime Kansina Lakula Mishmara, because the father and mother were going to punish the entire Mishmar. Amarbaye, yes, Oila Rosh, Oila Shreno, woe to the Rasha, woe to its neighbors. And to end up on a positive note, Tovla Tzadik, Tovla Shreno, Shanamar, Imru Tzadik, Yitov, Kiprim Malalem, Yochelu, they will eat the fruit um, of their efforts. Um, okay. Mazdav again. 
It's 7.43. Let's go back to the beginning of the parak and uh, methodically go through the fifth parak of Masech Sukkah and then go back to the beginning of the Masechta. Um, okay, here we go. Everyone have it? Thumbs up, ready to go? Okay, good. Excellent, thank you. Hechalil. The flute. Chamisha Vashisha. Even though Sukkot is seven days, and then with Shemini Yasser it's eight days, the most you're going to play it are five or six. And obviously we know that we're going to explain when it's five and when it's six. Zewa Chalil Shebeis HaShoeva. This is a reference to the flute that they played in the Beis HaShoeva, the Sukkot Beis HaShoeva. She'ena doich elos HaShabbos, elos HaYantiv. And it does not push away Shabbos or Yantiv. It's something you do not blow on Shabbos or Yantiv. And that's why it limits the amount of days. And therefore, the math is very easy. Why it's five or six. Again, in Eretz Yisrael, only one day of Yantiv. So there's seven total days of Sukkot, but only six of them are even eligible for heavy Sukkot based on Shoeva. And therefore, if one of the days of Cholomoid is Shabbos, you subtract another day and you're down to five. But if there's no Shabbos Cholomoid, then you have six full days of Cholomoid and six full days of the simple space HaShoeva. Very, very simple math, and that's how we get what we get in this particular Mishnah. Says the Gemara, the Itmar, Rav Yehuda, Rav Ina, Machlokas Rav Yehuda, Rav Ina, Chad Tani Shoeva, one says the wording in our Mishnah is that they blew it for the Shoeva, and that's what you call that party that they had, was the Shoeva. The Chad Tani Chashuva, and the other one said that, no, the wording is not Shoeva, the proper wording is Chashuva, for the Chashuva party, the important party. Amar Zutra, Mandatani Shoeva Lamishabish. The one that says the proper wording of Shoeva is not wrong. Umandatani Chashuva Lamishabish, the one that says that it should be Chashuva is also not mistaken. Didn't make a mistake. Mandatani Shoeva Lamishabish, the one who said that the wording of Shoeva is not mistaken. Dixiv, Ushafta Maibasatan is based on a Pasuk. This is a very fundamental Pasuk when it comes to the naming of the Supposed Shoeva, that they would draw the water with self with tremendous uh, exuberance. Umandatani Chashuva Lamishabish, the one that says that is called the Chashuva, the Chashuva party, is not mistaken. The Amr of Nachman, Mitzvah Chashuva Hi, Ubam that the Mitzvah of the Nisu Chamayim, which is the drawing of the water and the libations of the water that are done only on Sukkot, it's a very, very Chashuva Mitzvah, and it's from the time of Mysabrachus. And we said it's from the time of Mysabrachus because the Shisin, which are the tubes, um, the, the, the tunnels, the, the, the pipe system underneath the base of Migdash that you would pour the water into, we already mentioned in the previous parak that those were dug already from Isabracious, clearly showing that, wow, Chris Baruch wanted these libations so badly that he even prepped it from the very beginning of creation. The rabbis teach us that the Chalil is Doich HaShabbos. Those are the words of Yossi Rabbi Yehuda. The Chachamim and the Chachamim arguments say, Af Yantiv Eino Doicha, sorry, not only is it not Docha Shabbos, but Yantiv, which is a bit more lenient when it comes to Halacha, is not even Docha Yantiv. Okay, so let's put this on the table again. I'll, I'll maybe for tomorrow's Chazara, actually, we're probably going to go weiter. Sorry, I can't make a chart now for this. I apologize to make a chart. We had a chart last time. But uh, the Machlaikas is, Rabbi Yossi, Rehuda right now holds that the flute is Docha Shabbos. And we have the Chacham hold that the flute's not even Docha Yantif. Amr of Yosef, Machlegis Bashir Shal Korba. What are they arguing about? Because we have the Beis HaShoeva, and we have Stam, musical, musical accompaniment of the Karbanos. So we have a Machlegis between the Chacham and Yosef. The question is, where is the Machlegis? Is there Machlegis by the flute of the Simchus Beis HaShoeva, where Rabbi Yosef says, even that's Docha Shabbos, and 
the Chavim say not, are referring to the Shira that accompanies the Korbanos, and that's where Rabbi Yossi says that the flute is Docha Shabbos, and the Chavim say not. So it says the Gemara as follows. There, the first version. The first version is Amr Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi's version is Machlokas B'Shir Shal Korban. The Machlokas is by the Shira of the Korban. The Rabbi Yossi Savar Iker Shira B'Kli. The Rabbi Yossi holds that the primary Chalik of the Avoda is the Shira. And the shira cannot be done without a kli. It's, a, it's like a necessary part of the shira. And ikar shira is the primary part of shira is the kli. And therefore, by definition, the kli is a chilek of the avod of the Shabbos. So just like, for example, the korban tamid is brought even on Shabbos because it's avodah, it's mandatory avodah, well, musical accompaniment to the korban is also mandatory. And if we say that the primary element of the shira is the kalim, is musical instruments, then if the shira is if the shira happens on Shabbos, then the primary part of it is also has to happen on Shabbos, which is the musical instruments. And that's why he holds that by korbanos, uh, you still use a flute. So now, why do the Rabbanon hold otherwise? How, why do the Rabbanon hold by korbanos? We do not play the chalil. Rabbanon Savri, Iker Shira Bepeh, Shabbos. He says, yes, it's always a nice bonus to have musical instruments. But the Iker Shira is Bepeh, the Iker Shira is what we sing with our mouths, and therefore it's not integral to the Avoda, and therefore it's not going to be Docha Shabbos. So simply it's a machlokis between Rabbi Yossi and the Chachamim if the Chalil is Docha Shabbos or not. And Rabbi Yosef's understanding of the machlokis is that they're not arguing about the Sengas Shoeva, they're only arguing about the Shira of Karbanos. The Rabbi Yossi says the Shira of Karbanos, since Iker Shira is Bekli, it is Docha Shabbos, and the Chachamim say that since Iker Shira is Bepeh, it's not Docha Shabbos. Source that the Chalil is the instrument that we use for the Simcha itself. I mean, it seems like the Mishnah says it, but it, usually that would be like the first question the Gemara. Uh-huh. That would be the source of the Chalil. Um, I'm not familiar, other than we are, I, I wonder if, you know, we're going to see later on in the, in the Perik um, some vivid descriptions of what happened in the Beis Um but it, I, I, I'm imagining it's just, it's just some sort of a Surah that these are the Caleb they would use for playing music, but I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. It's a good question. But it seems to be, you know, we know they did it. We know it's a chilek, you know, we have a maser, that's an important kli. Um, but I don't know if there's actually psukim that indicate the names of the musical instruments. I'd have to look into that. Rebbe Robinson? Yes. I'm a bit confused. I'm sorry. We have this, first we had the Mishnah, and then, then we bring the Brisa. So, so then Rebbe, you are just talking about the Brisa or the Mishnah? Talking about the Brisa. Correct. So the writer says Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Huda, and then all of a sudden the Chachamim gets stuck in. I hear. No, no, no. The the bride says no. Rabbi Yossi bar Yehuda. It's Rabbi Yossi, the son of Yehuda, versus the Chachamim. No, it says Rabbi Yossi bar Yehuda. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I got it right. Okay, 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 good? Okay, no problem. Okay, fine. Um, here we go. So it says the Gemara Vaita, Rabbanan Savri, Iker Shir, Bepev, Alavavodahi, Ve'enadach, Shavis. Of all Shir Shil Shoeva, but according to Rav Yosef's version, the Shir of the Shoeva, Diver Kol Simchi, everyone agrees it's, it's, it's Simcha, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to have Kalim, Ve'enadach, Shavis, and that's not Dech, Shavis. 
Okay, so that's Rabbi Yosef's version. I keep emphasizing Rabbi Yosef because we're going to see later on the Gemara a different version of where the Machlokas is. They, 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 in fact, are arguing about the Sengos Bishu'eva. Rabbi Yosef's version is that they're not arguing about the Sengos Bishu'eva. They're arguing about Shira of the Korbanas. I'm Rabbi Yosef. Mina, Mina, the Baha Pligi. Where do I get it from that they're arguing about is Iker Shira Bepez, Iker Shira Bekli? The Tanya, because it says in a Brysis, in a Brysis, Klishares Sha'asan Shal'etz. Let's say you have vessels. Klisharis is the name for vessels that are used for avoiding the base of Mikdash. Can you make such vessels out of wood? Klisharis sha'asan shal'etz. Rebbe Paisel. Rebbe says, nope, invalid. You cannot have any kalim made out of wood. Rebbe Yossi Bar Yehuda Machin. Rebbe Yossi Bar Yehuda says, it's kosher. It's fine to make kalim made out of wood. So we know that's the machlokas. What is the grounds of that machlokas if you're allowed to use what wood kalim or not? So Rebbe Yosef says, I'm going to tell you what their machlokas is. My law, is it not that they're arguing about the following? The opinion that says it's okay they have wooden kalim in the base of Migdash, Savar Ikrashir Bakli, the Alfina Miabuva de Moisha. Okay, so if you guys remember this, it goes as follows. The one that held this kosher says that Ikrashir is Bakli. If Ikrashir is Bakli, then we are going to go ahead and say, okay, let's learn from the Kli that Moshe Rabbeinu himself used when he was a shepherd. And Moshe Rabbeinu's um, flute that he used in the fields was made out of wood. And therefore, obviously we hold that whatever he used had a status of klisharis. And if Moshe Rabbeinu was able to use wood for his flute, and we hold that our kalim, um, are the ikra voida of the shiras kalim, is, 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 is the musical instruments. So then, if he was able to use wood, we're going to extrapolate and assume that we could use wood as well. That's the first version of it. Uman the apostle. I thought, I thought, thought well, Arzkrol, if I recall, said something about the fact that Moshe's flute was in the base of Mikdash also. That it was used as a part of, you know, the service for the. For the, for the Let me check. Know, part of the service Let me check. Let me check. Let me check, Rashi. Yes, Rashi does say that. Rashi does say that. Yishkayach, remember that. Rashi says um, that this Kli of Moshe itself was used in the base of Mikdash. Kli Shares Vavuv Haya B'Mikdash Mimos Moshe. There was this flute from the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. And it's made out of reed. Yeah, it wasn't made out of wood, it made out of reed. Like it says in Masechus Erechen. And therefore we'll learn out the other Kli Shares from it. Um, right. to be maksher even out of wood and, and out of natural materials. Very good. Right. If, 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 if a flute that we used was wood, and that's, the, the flute itself is considered a clee, then all the other right. clees right. can be... Right, right, exactly. Exactly. So what, what's happening here, thank you for clarifying that. So what's happening here is as follows, is is that basically the question is, do we look at the musical instruments in the base of Mikdash as klisharis? If we say Iker Shira is the clee, so then that means the kalim that are used for the shira are klisharis. And one of the musical instruments in the base of Migdash was the flute of Moshe Rabbeinu that was made out of reeds. So by definition, we clearly hold that klisharis can be made out of natural materials. So we'll now extrapolate from that to the other kalim that are used for the korbanos, etc. They can also be made out of natural materials. Shkarech for that. 
Um, however, uh, if the old Iker Shir is bepeh, um, and therefore the musical instruments that accompany it don't have the status of klishares, so fine, it happens to be that one of those kalim um, is made out of natural materials, but th- that doesn't give it the status of klishares, and therefore the other kalim, which are for sure klishares, the kalim used for the, uh, for the korbanos, um, those kalim um, need to be out of other materials and they cannot be made out of wood. Excellent, that's very good. Okay, fine. So says Rabbi Yosef, I can tell you why I know the Machlokas is um, Iker Shir Bepeker Shir Bekli, because we have a Machlokas elsewhere. Can you use wood um, as Klisharis or not? And we have Rabbi says it's no good, Rabbi Yosef says it is good, and now Rabbi Yosef suggests, My Labak, Mifuki, Manda Maksha, Savar Iker Shir, Shir is the first word of line right in the middle of the Amud, Bekli, Ve'alfina Me'avuva the Moshe, Manda Pasa, the one that says it's no good to use wood in Kalim, Savar Iker Shir Bepet, the primary Shir is with your mouth. Therefore, we're not going to learn from the flute of Moshe. To which the Gemara says back, no, there's other ways to understand the Machlokas if you're allowed to use wood in Kalim or not. Lo, the Kulei Alma Iker Shir Bekli. Everyone agrees that the Iker Shir is with Kalim. But it's just a Machlokas. Do you learn out cases that you have more options from cases that you don't have more options? Meaning, by Moshe Rabbeinu, um, as Rashi went into, um, he, he, the, the, he tried making out of other materials and it just didn't work. And therefore he ended up having the reed um, flute. But we, who have other options, what materials to make it out of, so maybe we could say, oh, yeah, of course, the Kalim and the Mesa Amigdash, the musical instruments, were Klisharis. And yes, Moshe Rabbeinu's flute was made out of reeds. But we're not going to learn from that and extrapolate that all other Kalim that are Klisharis are allowed to be made out of natural materials because Moshe Rabbeinu was made out of Kana, it was made out of reeds because he had no other option. It was the Efshar. There's no other way to do it. But we who have other options, maybe we it would be demanded of us to utilize those other options. That's the question. So says the Gemara. Maybe that's the machlokas over there. That perhaps says the Gemara. Bedunin afshemichi afshekamuthagi. Uman the pasul, the one who says it's no good to use wood in general. Saver lo dunin afshemichi afshek. We do not learn out. Efsher from Efsher. So we're Efsher. We can use other materials. So why should we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu's flute when there's no other option available? Fine. So that's, that's, that's the way to understand the Machlokas. Or another way to understand the Machlokas, if you're allowed to use wood as Klisharis, is the Kule Alma de Iker Shir Bepeh. Everyone agrees that Iker Shir is actually with your peh, with your mouth. The ain't done in Efsher, Mishi Efsher. We do not learn out Efsher from Efsher. Oh, wow. 7.58. I think we'll probably have to stop here. Um, But we're going to end up saying the third version, I guess tomorrow, Bez Hashem, we'll say the third version of what the potential machlokas is, if you're allowed to use wood for klisharis or not. But the point being is, is that we have a machlokas that's relevant to us directly, is that Rabbi Yossi says that the Khalil is Docha Shabbos, the Chum say the Chalil is not Docha Shabbos, and Rabbi Yosef wants to say that Machlokas is by the Shira of the Korbanos, and the Machlokas is Iker Shira Bepeh, Shira Bekli, and he says, I got that from the Machlokas of are you allowed to use wooden Klisharis or not, but says the Gemara, that is one way to understand the Machlokas, but there's two other ways to understand the Machlokas that would make it, you cannot use it as a precedent that the Machlokas is Iker Shira Bepeh and Iker Shira Bekli. We got through... Um, we got through Rabbi Yosef's suggestion, we got through one alternate understanding of the Machlokas, of Klisharis can be out of wood, and then tomorrow, Bez Hashem, we'll get to the second uh, possible explanation of why Klisharis can be wood, that would not be able to be a supporter of Rabbi Yosef's position.
Um, okay, hopefully that was as clear as possible, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's see if any questions.